Welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Turn up your nostalgia. everyone and welcome back. I'm Victoria, your host here on the Cantina Chatter podcast, your resource for Star Wars, new and retro toys, pop culture, and randomness from the 80s and 90s. Hello, hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to 2020. Wow. And uh, the first episode of the year. Once again, I will be joined by Dave, our correspondent for Star Wars Television, who's going to be wrapping up our Star Wars The Mandalorian discussion that we've been having for the past couple of months. Uh, The Mandalorian recently wrapped up its first season, and it's been amazing and awesome. And if you listen to me and Dave's previous episodes uh, talking about The Mandalorian, uh, we've really been enjoying it. And uh, it's come to a very interesting uh, and a quite satisfying close for this first season. Lots of surprises, lots of great stuff along the way. Merchandise practically non-existent, which is really irritating considering how awesome The Mandalorian is. And you guys know Baby Yoda and all that. So I hope you guys enjoy the following conversation with Dave. In other news, not a whole lot going on with the channel. As you guys know, the whole COPPA thing kind of threw me for a loop and I'm still ironing out the details. It doesn't seem like it's quite as bad, I guess, as a lot of us feared it might be, but the truth of it is that we just don't really know. It's still too early to say what the ultimate effect of this is gonna be on content creators who are creating content on YouTube that you know can be interpreted as being for kids. We don't really know. Um, YouTube has come out and said, you know, hey, if, if if you're not really targeting kids and it is available or, you know, your content is accessible by all ages, then you don't, you don't really need to make it as, a, or, you know, indicated as being made for kids. But, you know, there's a lot of gray area. A lot of us aren't sure. Some toy reviewers are continuing to do the reviews. Some that said they weren't gonna do it are still doing it. And, uh, you know, some people aren't. So, I don't know. Like I told you guys before, uh, I don't really know that I ever set out to do toy reviews forever. There's a lot of other things I'd like to tackle as well within the whole VC Victoria's Cantina realm that I think would be quite valuable for me to work on. So um, lots of stuff to consider. I'm still ironing out those details. And once I know for sure, you know, what the future of the channel is, I will let you guys know. But I do have some plans. I do have some things I am looking at and considering. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I think some cool stuff's going to be coming along the way. Uh, also, I'm ramping up the toy photography on Instagram. I had kind of been um, a little bit slow on that over the past couple of months. Just had so much going on uh, in my life outside of all of this stuff, outside of content creation and podcasting and, you know, all that stuff. So, but, um, you know, definitely got some more stuff going. It's been a little slow on the toy collecting front. Uh, Mattel did send me uh, a really cool Primal Attack box. I did an Instagram live uh, unboxing of that and, um, you know, really cool stuff. I'm really thankful to Mattel for sending that out to me. 
Um, lots of cool stuff for Primal Attack this year, which is their Jurassic World campaign for 2020. I don't know if it's going to carry through the entire year, but um, at least for now, that's what it is. It's all about Primal Attack. So uh, there are some photos on social media. Be sure to check those out. Also, I want to let you guys know if you are following me only like on Facebook or only like on Twitter or, you know, whatever, you're missing some of the content that I am putting out there. Uh, I do a little bit different stuff on each of the different platforms. So uh, definitely want to encourage you if, if you're only following me like on Facebook, well, you know, check me out on Twitter, check me out on Instagram and don't do a whole lot with Facebook, honestly. It's it's my least favorite platform. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I post to Instagram uh, gets posted to um, Facebook automatically since they are uh, the same company, basically. And there is that way to merge the two together, but... Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, check out the different platforms. Um, you know, I'm always talking about all kinds of different toy stuff and uh, stuff about these franchises that we all love and adore and, you know, have so much to say about because obviously there's nothing more important to do. <laughs> um, also, a huge shout out to my husband who gave me an amazing Christmas gift this year. He got me the Hot Toys Justice League Wonder Woman, which really it's the Wonder Woman movie. Wonder Woman is just that you know, I guess for marketing purposes, Hot Toys wanted to designate it as the Justice League figure, but it's, it's, it's more specific to, uh, you know, the film, uh, Wonder Woman rather than Justice League, uh, for the most part. So, uh, awesome figure, really happy to have it in the collection. She looks amazing. I did post some photos of her, um, on social media as well. So certainly check those out. And, um, other than that, I just want to let you guys know that the podcast Cantina Chatter is going to be going on a little bit of a hiatus following this episode. This is kind of going to wrap up, you know, this last chain of, uh, recent episodes where we were talking about the Mandalorian and the rise of Skywalker and all that stuff. So I don't have an exact date when the show is going to come back. We're probably going to take about a month off, month and a half, maybe, uh, just need to recharge my batteries. And, uh, as you guys know, I also do... Uh, Collect Jurassic World with uh, Tim from Collect Jurassic. And uh, that's on hiatus as well. We're, we're going to be going into season two pretty soon here. So that's on the horizon. And uh, also, I also do the Discoveryland podcast, which is my uh, Disneyland history podcast. So that's been on hiatus too. Season two was tremendously successful. And uh, I'm going to begin working on season three here uh, in the near future. And uh, that'll debut later in the spring, maybe. I'm not sure exactly when yet. But yeah, um, you know, as always, thank you guys for, for tuning in. VC is, uh, you know, wrapping up seven years of, of content creation. So uh, it's, it's been a little bit of a haul. And, you know, I'm immensely grateful to all of you guys who have been here from the beginning. And even if you're new to discovering Victoria's Cantina, well, um, you know, we're all about the toys here. We're all about the love of these franchises, you know, whether it's Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Batman, um, you know, anything really. I mean, there's so many of them. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about the most important topics that have, that affect our lives, but the, the goal of Victoria's Cantina has always been to uh, focus on the things that bring a little bit more joy into our lives. There's so much in the world that is negative. There are so many problems. There are some, you know, so many really vital things that uh, greatly affect all of us. Um, and, you know, we acknowledge that, you know, we accept that, but, um, you know, the focus here is, is on the positive, on the things that we like, you know, the, the things that maybe aren't as important perhaps, but, you know, are important for our well-being and, uh, you know, definitely help brighten 
our lives. And I hope that, you know, you find these episodes entertaining. I hope that you find all the content that I put out there entertaining. It's all for the love of it. It's all for fun. And that's basically what I get out of it is the satisfaction of putting it on and the satisfaction of, you know, you guys listening and enjoying and, um, you know, being entertained. That That's what I do. I'm an entertainer essentially. So, um, that's why we're here. So, you know, just wanted to reiterate that because I think it's important every now and then to kind of, you know, take pause and reflect and, you know, just kind of talk a little bit about why we're here. And, you know, that's, that's why we're here basically. So in any case, uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of good stuff coming, uh, in 2020 for the VC brand. There's a lot of really cool stuff. So, um, yeah, hit me up, uh, social media. We're on Patreon. We're on YouTube kind of sort of right now we're still figuring that out um you know and of course the podcast uh you know leave us reviews speaking of which tomorrow is my birthday the day after this episode publishes and goes live it's my birthday and it's kind of a not really a milestone birthday but kind of an in-between milestone sort of birthday so if you want to do your favorite cantina hostess a solid leave me a review that's what i'm asking you guys for leave a review over on itunes it only takes a few seconds head over to apple podcasts leave us a five-star rating and uh, write us a little review it's been a while since we've gotten reviews or you can buy a t-shirt our merchandise is available through teespring or teepublic i will place links in the show notes if you're interested in getting a t-shirt and supporting and representing the victorious cantina brand you can get your vc shirt you can get your cantina chatter podcast shirt we have some other shirts available as well and a fun selection of various merchandise like totes and mugs and cups and stickers and, uh, you know, a variety of other things that you can get. There's shirts for the kids or shirts for men, shirts for women. We do donate 50% of the proceeds of the hashtag girls like toys to t-shirt to he for she, which helps promote gender equality throughout the world. And uh, this week, we are also donating 50% of the proceeds of any of the other t-shirts to help combat the terrible wildfires that are going on down in Australia. So please consider. I will place links in the show notes for both the Tea Public and the Teespring stores. And with that being said, without further ado, let's go ahead and get on with the show. Hey Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Victoria. How are you doing? I am doing okay. My fingers are a little bit... So apparently... Um, if you're cutting and slicing butternut squash, it can oh, leave no. this residue on your fingers that is almost impossible to get off. Oh. I was completely unaware of this. Had I known, huh. I probably would have used a glove or something. Yeah, but to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even tried nail polish remover, and this stuff, it just ain't coming off. I, I don't know what I'm going to do about oh, it. <laughs> it's It's wild, but... It's all good because uh, we're here to talk the Mandalorian. The seat, the season yeah, yeah. Uh, just wrapped up last this this past Friday, a few days back, and we're gonna recap episodes six, seven, and eight. Yeah, yeah what a ride! This has been a lot of fun. I'm super excited. Uh, sad to see it end, but I'm, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna talk about it. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get through it. It, it is very difficult that you know the season is over. Now we gotta wait till next fall to yeah. get season two. Which, oh my god, that seems just so far away. But um, I guess, I guess it'll be here before we know it, right? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen some people right? online today saying they're canceling uh, Disney Plus until Mandalorian comes back, which I think is silly. There's gonna be tons of other Star Wars and Marvel content, and oh, but yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's that's too bad. There's a lot of great stuff on Disney Plus. I just don't have time to watch all of it right now. But I mean, the the Imagineering story, I think, mm-hmm. was I don't know if you watched that one, but I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm definitely going to get to it. But I got to fight my kids. I guess they're watching like Doc McStuffins and all the Disney Junior <laughs> shows like all the time. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, like the, the Jeff Goldblum show. I love it. Uh, lots of good stuff on there. Disney movies, mm-hmm. Marvel movies, Star Wars, yeah. uh, plenty of stuff. And I think they just added The Last Jedi yeah, on that. there, too. Yeah, so. All right. So let's talk about episode six. So what is the title of episode six? Uh, the Prisoner. The Prisoner. So I really thought this was a great episode. Oh, the yeah. first time mm-hmm. I saw it, the first time I saw it, I was maybe not completely into parts of it, but I actually rewatched it this afternoon and i think it's one of my favorites in mandalorian yeah it's almost seems like every episode i watch i come away saying that that was my favorite until i see another one (laughs) but you know going back and maybe i'll rank them sometime if i ever feel like getting around to it but yeah i I really enjoyed this one upon initial viewing yeah this is a good one Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in this one that gives it a really like unique feel Mm -hmm. for the series and i think you know that's the music that's the characters that's like just the whole dynamic of, you know, what they're trying to do, you know, in the prison and everything. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on here. So basically, Mandalorian is traveling through space. And this this episode kind of caps off, you know, this little series of individual adventures mm-hmm. that Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are going on. Yeah, this one uh, right away has a much different feel. There's a much larger cast than any of the other episodes. Um, I guess it's kind of set it up as it's going to be like a heist to begin with. And, you know, right away you're introduced to a a new character, uh, Ron, and you just, you know, you're going somewhere different in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Mandalorian lands on this. What would you call it? Is it like a almost like a space station of some sort? Yeah, I wrote ship in my notes, but then, you know, watching it again and at the end, it's definitely a space station like Deep Space Nine or something or. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's a little bit different from Star Wars. I mean, we've seen things like this in Clone Wars. Um, I kind of thought about that medical bay that they had for the clones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but um, uh, it was kind of like a hospital or something, mm-hmm. I think, where they were keeping the clones. But yeah, it reminded me a little bit of that, you know, just kind of the station floating out in space. And I think I hear a, a car outside somewhere going really <laughs> fast. Um yeah, so they were, uh, uh, he, okay, so he lands in this hangar that's part mm-hmm. of this, um, you know, this vessel or whatever you want to call it, this station. And uh, it seems like he's going back to somewhere he's been before. He, he kind of knows, like, the people that mm-hmm. are here. Yeah, like an correct? old crew that he used to run with, I guess, before his guild days. Uh, he seems desperate, and he reaches out to them uh, looking to score some um, money and, you know, to finance uh, with him being with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so when he arrives here, uh, he meets this character. And uh, what is the character's name? Um, the credits uh, name him as uh, Ranzer Malk, but I think in the entire episode, they always call him Ran. Yeah. Yeah. That, sound, that sounds correct. So, this is Mark Boone Jr., who I was really pleased to see him. Um, I've seen him in other stuff. He was in Batman Begins. I think that's the first mm-hmm. thing I remember him in. Mm-hmm. And I think even before that, he might have had a bit in um, one of Christopher Nolan's earlier films before that, Memento. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, of course, he was in... Uh, I watched Sons of Anarchy, and I, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. show. Um, he was in that quite heavily, so I, I was pleasantly surprised to see that uh, he was in this one. Yeah. 
My dog's coming in. I don't know if you can hear her pause. <laughs> Come on in. Um, yeah, so uh, instantly, you know, we get the sense that, you know, he knows this guy. They've had a relationship in the past. And uh, basically, he's tasked him with with accepting work um, to go on a mission. But he lets him know, you know, you're not going alone. There's going to be a team of mm-hmm. four that are going to be going along with you. Um, yeah, he, um, he gets right away introduced to, uh, Mayfeld, who's going to, I guess, be like the leader of this crew on the missions. Uh, Ron says he doesn't go out anymore and he's played by, uh, the comedian Bill Burr. Um, it's funny. He ha- he's pr- actually has some of humor in the character. It's a little bit different than his stand up. Um, he makes a joke about, uh, being ex Imperial and how he's better shot. He wasn't a stormtrooper, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, so we're introduced to another character as well. And this is a uh, Devronian, correct? Um, yeah, that's, um, Berg played by Clancy Brown. Yeah. This is, this is something I was also pleasantly surprised to see. Um, you know, I love seeing those original mm-hmm. trilogy aliens, like, you know, in the series and, and, uh, we've never seen another Devronian outside of the cantina mm-hmm. before. And, um, you know, getting to see one and like see what they look like when they're talking and stuff was mm-hmm. was pretty cool. So I thought that was really a nice you know way, way to go with that species. Yeah, definitely getting to see them stand up and, you know, compared to, to other species and other humans and, and walking around. And it was real cool. Yeah. Um, so then there's a droid. The droid's name is Zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of a, a different kind of droid. We, I don't think we've seen this before in live action, as I recall. Yeah, I'm not familiar with what type it is. Um, it looked new to me for what I've seen. Yeah, but the, it makes it pretty clearly on that, you know, it's smart and mm-hmm. that it knows how to fly. Mm-hmm. And He makes the, um, the joke about being, you know, smarter and better pilot than the Mandalorian. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, later we see what he means by that flying and, you know, not good for not good if you're kind of just hitting mm-hmm. around in the back <laughs> of the ship. Like a bad school bus driver or something. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and I guess the the last um, character we meet is uh, it seems like uh, Mandalorian's had a relationship with uh, Shion, played by Natalie Tanya, uh, which I knew her from Game of Thrones. Yeah. So um, yeah, so she is a, twi- a Twi'lek, mm-hmm. and I don't have we seen Twi'leks in Mandalorian so far. I feel like we maybe have in the background. Oh, yeah, I don't think so. Not like up close, personal like this, but maybe there was one lurking in the background somewhere. Yeah, and you know we we see them a little bit in the prequels too. Um, you know, Aayla Sakura, but we, she doesn't have any lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they're featured quite heavily in Clone Wars uh, and in Rebels, and then you know we see them obviously in you know Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. right? But yep. um, we we don't really like. There's not one that's really featured quite as heavily, I don't think, as she's been in this episode. Yeah, I definitely like the way it is. She seems like like creepy the way she walks and she hisses and stuff like that and brings a lot of, <laughs> to the episode. And it's it's funny and everything and it works nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's definitely kind of, it's, it's like I said, really different dynamics. You think back to Clone Wars and, you know, the, the they don't really, the, the Twi'leks aren't really act like that you know they're just Mm -hmm. kind of more like like humans basically but you know they don't hiss they don't have fangs but i think bib fortuna might have had fangs if i recall yeah it's just nice to see him you know just walking around and and with everything in this animated um what i say like the feloni being from the animated and seeing everything in live action now you know 
Like we'll get to <laughs> other things with the Mandalorians and stuff that we haven't seen, and it's it's cool. It's kind of like seeing a, like an animated vision um, brought to the screen now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so they they head off on their adventure. So they need um, the. Yeah, they say the, the Razor Crest that they need um, because it's pre-Imperial, uh, pre-Republic. Um, it's off everyone's radar, and apparently they can get right up um, to the ship that they need to, which it would be a prisoner transport um, to get on because that's the job they're on. They need to uh, free a prisoner, um, so they say. Yeah, so, you know, they head out there uh, in the ship, and when they when they get there... Um, well, you know, like, like I alluded to earlier on, you know, it's kind of a process, like there's a lot of hazing basically that goes on with Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're trying to get him to get up, take off his helmet. They're trying to figure out, you know, you know, what's the history, you know, with the, you know, you and, and, uh, uh, the other character and, Mm -hmm. uh, there's just a lot of banter back and forth and, you know, you kind of get the sense that Mandalorian, you know, he's in his own ship, but he's very uncomfortable. Yeah, he's he's a passenger on his own ship. It is a little weird. It, it, like you said, it's hazing. They're they're teasing him. There's some good humor here. Um, Bill Burr doing doing the mocking of like the Gungan voice and stuff, and they want to pull his uh, helmet off. Um, Berg actually that get in a fight. Um, there's some tussling and stuff, and they end up opening the door where the Mandalorian didn't want him to see that um uh, the baby Yoda was hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, there's a funny comment in there that are like, did like, did you and Sheehan make that? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that Bill Burr, it, it slips in there. And it's like, a, it's funny. You know, he's a comedian, but it's different than his stand-up. I think he did really well acting in this. Yeah, it was really good. I, I felt like this crew of characters was, was really solid just through and through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did a good job yeah. of like playing like the tough guy, but you could tell maybe he was like sizing everyone up, feeling them out. You know, he did good. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so they arrive at this prison transport, and we learn that it's a New Republic uh, prison mm-hmm. transport, and uh, they kind of have a rough landing. Uh, you know, based on how Zero is piloting, mm-hmm. and um, you know they make their way inside, uh, and then. It doesn't take too long before they cause a little bit of commotion, correct? After uh, gunning down a <laughs> little mouse droid. Yeah, the, the uh, Berg, I guess, um, he messes up the, the mouse droid and I guess it um, sets off some other um, um, droids to come and check out what's going on. And then they get in a little bit of a shootout and they kind of leave uh, the Mandalorian out, uh, hang out to dry there. And he's got to be the one to take them all down. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It, there's some pretty cool action in mm-hmm. here, just kind of seeing like these different droids. Um, so these are different. We haven't seen these before, but I did notice they have like the rebel trooper style blaster rifles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're obviously, you know, recycling that from the original trilogy. Um, but yeah, so these these droids, they're not the best. Uh, it doesn't seem like their <laughs> capabilities <laughs> for fighting are like you know, the, the cream of the crop or anything. No, kind of more like numbers, right? If there's, there's four of them or three of them against one person, they're yeah. probably going to win. But, you know, Mandalorian yeah. shows them, like what a tough fighter he is, which is real cool to see. The the Beskar armor comes in handy so much in this series. He's always getting blaster bolts ding in here and there, and it seems to help him out a lot in fights. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, so uh, one of the things we glimpse early on is that 
they're kind of trying to fight their way through these and then Mandalorian just kind of takes matters into his own hands and he's able to take out like eight of them or something on his own. Yeah, it's pretty pretty epic and it seems to me like maybe they're just kind of like hanging back when um, one of them goes to help and I think um, uh, Mayfeld stops them or something like that, right? And just let the Mandalorian deal with it. Yep, yeah, totally. Um, but no, it's really cool to see. You know, it's definitely like some Batman level stuff. You know, he's, oh, yeah. he's like, he's using his whole arsenal and he's using like his fists and his elbows to, you know, just like fight his way through these droids and, um, yeah, really cool stuff. Really cool. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen Mando like before, like mm-hmm. utilize his, uh, artillery to the best of his ability. And, you know, this is just another outlet for us to see that. Yeah. It's nice that you bring up the, the Batman. We'll definitely get to that towards the end of this episode. There's a lot. I think that uh, ties Mandalorian and Batman together, the style they're going for in this oh, episode. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so, yeah, so they continue on. And, um, you know, the, along the way, they encounter more droids. And I'm not sure if this moment happens quite yet, but um, we see hovering around these. Uh, so in, in A New Hope, it was called, I think it was called R4. No, what was it called? It was one of the... So it's the ones that, that are floating in this episode. And we mm-hmm. see one of them uh, in A New Hope when uh, the Jawas arrive to the Lars homestead and they're trying to sell him one of these droids. It's like a really gr- like bulky, mm-hmm. like green, like droid. Yeah, it's um, like a water We see a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We see a couple of them in this episode and they're just kind of hovering around. Mm-hmm. I guess it'll show us how powerful uh, Berg is. He just jumps on it and just destroys it. But with one handed by himself is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it, you know, definitely, I think each character in, in this um, episode, you know, great group, but we, we did get to see, like, how each one has, like, their own mm-hmm. uh, flavor, so to speak, you know, they each bring something different to the group and have different capabilities, so. Yeah, definitely like a uh, heist setup, like a heist movie or something where everyone brings their own thing yeah. to the table and they showcase it along the way. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um. So, yeah, so uh, I guess around this point, is this when they make their way to, like, the cockpit of the of the vehicle? Yep. The yeah, person? they make their way to the control room, uh, I guess, as they're moseying around um, the corridors. They're talking to Zero. The droid is directing them from the Razor Crest, and they make their way into the control room, and we find out that it isn't just droids on this um, prison ship, that there's actually a, a person there. Um, and it turns out to be like someone from the rebellion, which would be the the new Republic now, played by um, Matt Lanter, who we know yeah. is the voice of Anakin on the Clone Wars. Yeah, that was a great cameo. And I, you know, the first time around, I actually didn't put that together. No. Um, it's you know, and you know, we talk about you know quite frequently how there's so many actors that we don't recognize in the mm-hmm. series, but you know, here's a guy that didn't have any makeup on. <laughs> Yeah. Anything, and we still didn't recognize and his face him. is always out there you know he's he's acting and stuff all the time i know what he looks like and i don't know they call him egghead <laughs> right and i'm like i guess it's because of yeah. that the, <laughs> yeah they make fun of his shoes yep. and his belt and but i love the outfit mm-hmm. i mean it you know it's obviously very similar to those rebel troopers in a new hope but it's a little bit different mm-hmm. and it has a very like you know like in a new hope you know a lot of stuff has a very 1970s sort of vibe to it and yeah. i felt like his outfit really had that feeling yeah that's the best stuff when they can throw it right back to the, the 70s it's cool yeah i love love that that um so yeah so um basically if they threaten him uh it's revealed that he has this sort of um uh, kind of like a beacon, right? Like mm-hmm. a little remote yep. where he can he can alert um, the the Republic 
uh, basically that, uh, you know, there's trouble and then they come and investigate. So, uh, yeah, so they're kind of, uh, you know, toying with him a little bit. Uh, Mandalorian doesn't want to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of, he's trying to talk him down, you know, put down the weapon, put down the, you know, the beacon. Um, but, uh, the other characters aren't quite, uh, on the same page with Mando. Yeah. He's trying to do his like negotiating there and he's like, yeah, you know, basically like, put it down. We don't want to hurt you. You can live. We'll let you live. And, uh, Mayfeld is like, no, we won't. Like <laughs> then it turns into a, a standoff and they're all pointing guns at each other. And, um, uh, Shion is kind of in off to the side there and she kind of has enough and she just throws like a knife thing in his neck and kills him. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty brutal but uh it's quite obvious that uh shion doesn't have a whole lot of patience Mm -hmm. for some you know some of the the antics these characters get up to um so yeah he dies uh we don't see it but presumably you know somewhere in this in this scene uh mando picks up the the remote or maybe he does it later maybe he does that yeah i think he he does it a little bit later yeah but um uh, in any case, they continue mm-hmm. on. Uh, they figure out where the prisoner is located at, and uh, they make their way uh, to him. Yeah, and they open up the uh, find out that the prisoner they've been looking for that also has uh, history with Mandalorian, and it's um, Quinn, um, and he's the the brother of Shean. And apparently, uh, Mando uh, left him on a job sometime in the past, and presumably, he's been imprisoned ever since. Yeah, yeah, he makes a comment, something like, um, oh, the man who left me is here to, to free me or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and uh, he's kind of scary looking, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like, you know, well, Bib Fortuna was pretty creepy. But, you know, in the animation, I don't think they really convey how creepy mm-hmm. some of these aliens can be. And yeah. <laughs> when you see him in live action, like even talking about Berg, like, you know, we see... Um, what was his name in Rebels? You know, there was a Devronian that was always helping out, um, like Ezra. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I can't remember his name, but uh, you know, he looked like a nice Devronian, mm-hmm. but um, not not in this show. Yeah, with the animation, I guess you don't want to scare the kids with like a, a devil alien, right? But you know, <laughs> that too. this is looking good here in live action. Yeah, which is basically what I think that mask was in A New Hope, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, so uh, they free him, but uh, we, you know, we we realize kind of at that point that uh, not everything is what it seems, and I guess part of the plot, and I don't know, it, like if this goes how far this goes, but definitely within this group, you know, their their plan was to entrap, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mandalorian into one of these cells. Yeah, definitely double cross them uh, as soon as they pull Quinn out. The uh, Mandalorian is just thrown into the cell, and they close the door. And Shion yells, "You deserve this!" And they all run away. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a bummer, but you know he's Mandalorian, so mm-hmm. I think anybody watching this show probably figures, you know, he's he's going to get out of there. Just how is he? How is he going to do it? Mm-hmm. So, um, and the way he does it is. You know, he's trying and trying. It's like, it, it seems like it's like hermetically sealed, I think, kind of like the trash compactor in A New Hope, right? Because he blasts yeah, right. and it just mm-hmm. kind of, it bounces around. So um, he, he lures a droid, one of the security droids, like close enough mm-hmm. to where he can, he grabs onto him and he, he he's able to pry his arm off. And then I guess he uses the little retractable, I don't even know what you would call that, mm-hmm. um, like a little widget or tool or yeah. something <laughs> and uh he's able to get his way out of there 
yeah, pretty fast. Uh, you know, maybe I thought he was going to spend some more time in the cell, but nope, he's Mandalorian and he gets out of there real quick. And uh, the rest of our crew are wandering down these corridors again, and they get a uh, message on, on the comm from Zero letting them know that the Mandalorian has escaped. Yeah. And um, it, it's pretty cool what happens after this because, um, you know, more of the Batman sort of thing, yeah. you know, like you see the lights start turning off in the different corridors and the doors start shutting. And, um, you know, you get the sense that, you know, you guys made a really bad idea because now Mando is going to come for you. Yeah, again, this is it's cool. It reminds me of like a video game. I think I was saying on one of the other episodes, it's just kind of like uh, Arkham Asylum or like a. Uh, like a Splinter Cell or Metal Gear Solid where you're creeping around in, in the dark and uh, sneaking up on people. I, I really like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. Those Arkham games are amazing. Mm-hmm. I hope we get another one. Yeah. I hope we get a Mandalorian video game. Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome too? Yeah, I was that thinking would be about really that earlier. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, so yeah. So basically Mando, you know, go, reverts to his hunter type instinct where, you know, he's, he one by one he tracks them all down and uh, we see him kind of scuffle here and there and i think berg is the first one he goes after is that correct um yeah they track him back um and uh, mandalorian is in the control room where uh, they they killed the rebel guy um played by matt lanter um is, this is i think where we see mandalorian pick up that little beacon that tracking beacon um, yeah. and then Berg, uh, makes his way and there's a scuffle. They throwing him across the controls and the, and Mandalorian eventually, uh, gets the door to come down on Berg. But then we again, see how powerful he is and he just lifts up the door and I guess he doesn't realize and Mandalorian hits the secondary door that closes the other way and smashes him. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> great. Pretty brutal. Um, obviously we learned a little bit later that it's not as bad as it looked, mm-hmm. but, um, I yeah, thought in it the was moment, real brutal at first. Yeah. Yeah. In the <laughs> moment that was, that was, that was a great, you know, that was a great, well, it's, you know, it's not the first there. time in the series, you know, very first episode we see Mandalorian just cut some guy in half. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think after that, who's his next victim after that? Um, I believe he goes after Mayfeld next. He, yeah, I think I think you're right. He goes after Mayfeld, and um, so you know, this is more like you were saying, more the Batman type thing. And I think we actually even see this in the Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. uh, where Batman's kind of moving through like one of the t- the sewers, like when he's trying to find Bane, and mm-hmm. you know the the way the lights are flashing, and you see him one spot, then another, one spot, then another, and you know he sneaks up on. Um, you know, whoever he's, he's going after. And it's, it's the same kind of thing here. Like you, you just see like, you know, his stealth capabilities mm-hmm. and the way he sneaks up on Mayfeld. Yeah. Those red flashing lights and the way the camera is angled, it's real claustrophobic and, and very cool and stealthy looking. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, we don't really see how he takes him out, but, uh, you know, we just kind of see like, you know, where Mayfeld becomes aware that, mm-hmm. you know, Mandalorians are right behind him and, then it kind of just cuts to there. Yeah, very then, horror-like, uh, like a horror film or something. <laughs> screaming or something and just an edit cut into the next scene. Right. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Xion's his last victim at this point. And um, so we, we saw earlier in the episode how she's able to throw these little knife-type mm-hmm. gadget things that she has. At, they have lights on them. I don't know exactly what they are. They're kind of like ninja stars. Yeah, and there's a lot of them, which I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, so this is obviously like, you know, one of her, her skills is using these. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, she's throwing a bunch of them at Mando. He's coming up to her. Uh, he's able to deflect most of them. I think he gets hit by one of them, like in his shoulder mm, or something. I think so. Yeah, but then he draws a knife. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I get. Does he draw a knife, or is he using one of these same like weapons? I think it was his knife or vibro blade or something, and he just puts it right up to her neck, and then that's where that scene cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then finally, uh, he goes for Quinn, and I, I guess Quinn's about to um, exit onto uh, out of the prison. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Mando catches up to him and he's, he's trying to kind of like negotiate with him. Like, like, um, you know, you need to take me in, you know, you're Mm -hmm. not going to get paid. Um, and then I guess he assumes at this point that, you know, everybody else is dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He says, he asked him, uh, did you kill them all? And Mandal Mandalorian says they got what they deserved, which should be a clue to what we'll see later on. Exactly. So um, we don't see exactly how this plays out in this moment, but then, you know, Mando returns to, um, you know, the space station place. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at that point we see that, um, you know, he did take Quinn in and uh, he's there to collect his bounty. And, um, you know, we realize that, oh, you know, the rest of the the crew isn't with him. They're probably dead, but we don't know exactly Mm -hmm. yet as the audience yeah, we're skipping over um, Zero actually um, stalking right. Baby Yoda, and that's kind of like woven in between what we were just talking about. There's yeah. the cuts back and forth, and uh, looks like Baby Yoda is going to get um, attacked by Zero, and then uh, he puts his hands up like he's going to use the Force, and then there's a blaster fire, and a Mandalorian saves him, and Baby Yoda kind of looks at his hand thinking, maybe did I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool, like mm-hmm. seeing the, like, the hide-and-seek and... Um, and it is funny, like Baby Yoda, like he's genuinely trying to hide from this droid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's all fun stuff. And then, um, so he he collects his bounty, mm-hmm. but then as he's about to take off, um, what was the guy's name? Um, Ron. Um, yeah, the no questions asked, right? He, and Mandalorian gets paid. Uh, yeah. Kind of goes off there, and right as he exits the hangar, um, he says, "Kill him." And then there's like a, a ship that comes up that's uh, gonna blast them in the Razor Crest out of the sky. Yeah, I don't know what kind of ship that was, but mm-hmm. it kind of looked like one of those Mandalorian, like, like, no, not Mandalorian. I think the one that um, maybe is it the one that Hondo flies? No, I don't or, remember. I no, just, no, 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 Cad like, Bane. Yeah, Cad Bane. It looked kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's what it was, but yeah, it's like some sort of a drone or something, mm-hmm. I suppose. I think that's what they say um, later on, right? Um, cause then here's where we find out, um, that Mandalorian has put the tracking beacon that he grabbed off the prison ship and he puts it in the back belt of Quinn and Quinn doesn't know what it is. And then right here is a real cool part where we see three X-wings come out of uh, hyperspace right in front of the, uh, space station. Yep. Yep. And, uh, the cameos, mm-hmm. uh, in these X-wings are pretty awesome. Yeah. It's got, uh, Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow and Rick, uh, Famua, who's actually directing this episode. And I only, I only recognized Dave Filoni, uh, first viewing through. And then later I realized yeah, it was same. the other directors, but it's, it's pretty cool. They put themselves in star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Especially, you know, Dave Filoni has yeah. been around so long, you know, in the star Wars mm-hmm. universe and, um, his delivery is kind of funny too because it's just like exactly like the way he talks in interviews and stuff <laughs> like you know just kind of like matter of fact and you know it, it, it it's awesome um but yeah great cameos and 
Uh, it's really cool to see the X-Wings in mm-hmm. action again. Yeah, it's uh, you know, we haven't been here yet in this series, and it looks just like it could fit right into A New Hope and stuff, even those cockpit cameras that they have. It looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, they, they, they basically take out that drone. It doesn't look like they blow up the whole station, though, right, from what we can tell? Yeah, um, first time I saw it, I think I just assumed that it was all blown up, but they don't actually show it. They just show them blowing up the hangars and stuff on each side, and then Mandalorian is out of there before we actually see finally what happened. Yeah, which makes me wonder a little bit, like, how that beacon works, because if, if that beacon were on the prison transport... Um, would they have gone and done the same thing or I don't know they said something about that um, drone thing coming out there so maybe yeah, that's what so, they were trying to do right I guess they're assuming that it's you know like a hostile like mm-hmm. um, group or whatever but yeah so basically uh, Mando and Baby Yoda fly off and Mando says to Baby Yoda you know I told you that was a bad idea <laughs> And um, that's about where the episode ends. Yeah, did you notice at all, um, you know, back to we were talking about um, Batman, the, the real quiet parts of the music uh, I noticed, and it kind of uh, sounded a lot like the music that you would have heard in, like, uh, Batman Returns or something, like, from Tim Burton. A hundred percent. I was just thinking that when I was rewatching it today. One hundred percent. Yeah. I just thought that was really cool. You know, there's some real cool music stuff in here if, if you pay attention and, and listen and like he knows what, where the directors and stuff are going and he works little things in that or callbacks to other properties and yeah no totally i love batman returns by the way mm-hmm. yeah i, I guess actually because uh because of you uh doing the, the podcast on the um 30th anniversary i went and picked up the blu-rays which i didn't have and i did nice. the whole rewatch in, in the fall and stuff and that was a lot of fun so thank you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, like Batman 89 and Batman Returns. I love those. Like mm-hmm. just you know, I know there's a lot of issues with Batman Returns and it's weird and it's he's he's kind of a killer, but <laughs> just the nostalgia, I guess, is the main thing, the toys and yeah, all that. I can still remember mm-hmm. um in Christmas time then when the first film came out and uh, trying to get the Batmobile and not being able to to track it down. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I I never had so yeah, I know we're kind of going on a detour here, but um, Toy Biz is the one, the company that was making those toys initially, mm-hmm. and their Batmobile was like a convertible. Yeah, that's like, the one that I end up getting eventually. I still have it. It's all broken. Yeah, cool. I think um, I did get that, but I think my parent, my mom got it maybe like at a, I don't know, garage sale or something, mm-hmm. uh, and it was missing some of the parts. Um but then, you know, Kenner got the rights like a year later and then they made like a really awesome Batmobile. Mm-hmm. But I never got that. It took it took like 25, 26 years until I finally added that to the collection. Mm. Yeah, I just I don't think I got any of the Kenner stuff when I was actual kid. I guess it was the Toy Biz stuff that I had and I was on to other things by then. But yeah, I can still remember yeah. that, you know, the craze and stuff and being in like a, a KB Toys and then yes. still going and getting... Um, we used to rent movies all the time, and my parents um, actually we had to end up buying it, buying the VHS because you couldn't rent it, and like, we had that for like ever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I still have my very first Batman action figure, and it was it was from that Toy Biz line. It was um, you know just regular like Batman. Mm-hmm. He, somehow my dad bought him for me, and somehow or another he survived these last thirty years. Mm-hmm. He still has his accessory and. My Is grandma, that the yellow belt one with the grappling that's belt? Exactly. Yeah, that's, I have that one too, and it's so 
busted, but I still have the little batarang for some reason. I'm missing, yeah. like, the belt broke That's off. Weird. I'm missing the cape, but I still have that little batarang for some reason. <laughs> yeah, the belt works on mine. Um, my grandma replaced the cape because she, she was really good about this. Like, I was always losing the capes on these figures, and, she, you know, she was really good with, like, um, you know, sewing, and she would always cut out, you know, like replacement capes for me. Mm, cool. <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what this figure has. So nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, but you know, I totally did notice that about the music. It totally like I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but you know, let's assume that it was, you know, very much a callback to yeah, Batman I think Returns. So. Some and, of the other stuff we talked in previous episodes had like a Terminator feel to some of the music. I think he's mm-hmm. very ingrained in the pop culture and trying to bring callbacks to where he sees fit, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So moving into episode seven and uh, what is the title of episode seven? Uh, episode seven is the reckoning. And this one's directed by Je- Deborah Chow. Very cool. So episode seven. I'm trying to remember how it starts. <laughs> uh, opens in space. Um, Mandalorian in, in the Razor Quest. Razor Crest. I always say Razor Quest, like Galaxy Quest or something. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, the Razor Crest uh, flying in space, and he gets a transmission from Grief Karga, and it's an offer to the Mandalorian to come back, make peace, make amends, and uh, help him kill the client. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think as an audience member, you're kind of thinking, well, is this legit? Is it a trap? You know, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But first thing Mando does is he goes back. Does he go back to the same planet that he was before? Yeah, the the one where they helped um, to, with the tribe defeat the uh, raiders there, and he goes back and gets uh, Cara Dune. Yeah, he goes and lets her know, hey, you know, I got to deal with this you know, are you in? And she's kind of reluctant, but then he says, well, you know, he is an Imperial. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm in. (laughs) He gets her and knows just what to say. gets her on board. Yeah. So then as they're about to head out, um, you know, they kind of realize, well, you know, we need to figure something out about, you know, baby Yoda, you know, somebody has got to kind of keep an Mm -hmm. eye on him. So then he goes back to, did we ever get the name of this planet? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't have it in my notes now, but they, yeah, they go back to the planet to get uh, Quill um, to help watch uh, Baby Yoda. He kind of offers to um, rehire him again, and Quill doesn't want to hear that, um, saying that he's independent, but he eventually agrees that you know, as long as the uh, Imperial presence is still around and this baby can't be free, he, he agrees to, to help him to just to help the baby. Yeah. Yeah, so he um, offer he brings them inside, and then that's kind of when they realize that mm-hmm. IG Eleven is still in the picture. Yeah, but uh, he's a little bit different than he was before, right? Yeah, this is really cool part. They have this like cutaway, and I think this is the first time um, that we kind of leave the Mandalorian's like point of view from most things. And there's a nice cutaway of of him uh, teaching IG Eleven to you know after he rebuilds them to do things again simple tasks um working hard and he kind of it's cool it's kind of like fatherly like he's he's teaching the droid to, to come up and work with his hands the way uh quill is always talking about yeah this is a really cool scene like i mean just the way they animated it 
it almost felt like stop motion, just the way IG-11 was moving mm-hmm. around. But yeah, they really nailed that. It looked great. It, it mm-hmm. looked like something out of, like, 1980s, like, like Saturday morning, like, you know, TV yeah, show yeah. or something. Just the way he was, <laughs> just the way they brought him to life. And, you know, kind of seeing the process of, you know, how a droid kind of learns to to do things. And we've never mm-hmm. seen that really in Star Wars. So I thought that was a really lovely touch, including that. Yeah, this whole scene just for me uh, cements even more how much I like the, this character of Quill, and he kind of almost is like a like a, a very knowledgeable father figure or something to the to the Mandalorian because he's always showing him that you know here's another way to do something and and you can do it this way and take your time and learn and craft and stuff and I, I really find it cool to show how he works with his hands and how he has time to bring this droid back from the dead and to nurture it and to train it into doing something useful. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, so the Mandalorian sees him and he's like, well, you know, this isn't going to work out. The droid, you know, it's still in his nature to mm-hmm. to be an assassin droid. But then Quill's like, no, no, you know, he's 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 fine. I've you know completely reprogrammed him. He's he's not going to, you know, harm Baby Yoda or anything. So, uh, yeah, so I guess reluctantly uh, Mando agrees to let him, you know, be part of, um, you know, the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's able to convince Quill to come along with them on the Razor Crest, uh, and kind of help them out. But, uh, one of his stipulations is that he brings the Blurgs with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just cool. It's a whole like crew, a little motley crew just hanging out on the ship there. Yeah. So, uh, as they're on the ship, um, one of the things we see is that, um, is this where the arm wrestling takes place? Yeah, they're trying to pass some time, and there's arm wrestling between Cara Dune and Mandalorian, and uh, the baby Yoda kind of notices, looks like Mandalorian's losing here or something, and he decides to force choke um, Cara. Yeah, this is, this is <laughs> interesting. Like, I, I totally didn't expect that. And no. the, the look that he has on his face when he does this, he kind of has like a mean look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's the, yeah. the rough life he's living here now. He's maybe not making the best choices or he just thinks everything <laughs> is a danger moment or whatever. But he, you know, Kara um, gets released after Mandalorian protests, you know, and she is just basically like, that is not cool. And then yeah. everyone is sort of amazed and, and Quill is like, oh, OK, I see what you're talking about now. The Mud Horde incident makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're, you know, they're kind of piecing things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Quill definitely realizes like, you know, there's the force is that going, you know, going on here. Um, and uh, I think around this point is pretty close to when they arrive back on Navara, correct? Yep. That's the very next part. Um, they land, whole crew exits the ship and they meet um, Grief Karga. And of course, he's got some uh, people by his side, too. And they all um, meet each other and uh, they come up with this plan to get rid of the client and the Imperial presence. Yeah, so the plan is uh, basically to, uh, you know, go back to the town, uh, have Mando get close enough to take out the uh, uh, the client. What is the That's client? A, yeah. The client. That's his name. Mm-hmm. The client, and uh, kind of restore order um, since the Empire is mm-hmm. kind of you know becoming an increasingly large presence here, and uh, obviously inhibiting um, you know the actions of the guild. And uh, their operations. So, uh, so we see these two bounty hunters that are with um, Karga, and 
he tells he, he basically says, Oh, you know, Caradu needs to stay, you know, on the ship mm-hmm. and Mando's like, Nope, not happening, she's coming with me. Um and he shows them, you know, baby Yoda, you know, you know, this is what the Imperials are after and um but basically I guess they decide that IG eleven stays with the Razor Crest. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, two crews that kind of, you know, you can tell something is up here and Grief Cargo looks like he's like working it out in his head. Like, OK, 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 we're changing the plan. Cara Dune's coming and they decide that they're going to um, walk towards the city and it should be nightfall. By the time they get close, they're going to set up camp and then make their way into the city uh, day rise. Yep. So we see them go on this little journey. Um uh, they're on the Blurgs, or at least uh, Mando, Cara mm-hmm. Dune, and Quill are on the Blurgs. And, you know, there's there's lava, like a lava river, and there's these, um, I don't know, it's kind of like a deer or something, right? Like we see like a deer type mm-hmm. creature. Yeah. They, and then they, in the next, uh-huh. Yeah, they're eating it next in the next scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the next scene they're eating it. Um, so yeah, they have like a little campsite. And you know, there's like a fire, and they're cooking this uh, this creature, and um, yeah. So uh, next thing we know, you know, they're just kind of like hanging out, talking, mm-hmm. whatever, going over the plan again. Uh, but then these creatures, I have no idea what they're called, but these, you know, these three giant like, like space dragon pterodactyls or something. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like dragons or yeah. I don't know something. They cut, they swoop in, and. Uh, they go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. And they uh, see first they uh, take a bite out of Grief's arm. Um, then they pick up some, some Blurgs. I think one or two take them away. They kill one of them. And there's you know, blaster fire back and forth. It's real hard to see, real dark here. Um, and then I think Kara ends up uh, shooting one of them. Mandalorian burns one of them. A couple of them end up leaving them alone. And it turns out uh, that their bite is poisonous and grief is uh, pretty much near death here being poisoned by this bite. Yeah. How do those things pick up the blurgs? Blurgs just seem huge to me. I don't know. Yeah. They were pretty big, like you said, like dragons or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Grief Karga is there and he's he's bleeding out and everybody's kind of looking at him. They give him a med pack, mm-hmm. but it's not enough to really do anything. So... Um, next thing we know is that, you know, baby Yoda's walking out and Kara's like, you know, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <fine. what's> he... <laughs> and, um, but then, you know, Quill's like, nope, you know, wait, give him, give him a minute. And, you know, he, a baby Yoda puts his hand over <laughs> grave Karga and then, you he's know, like, we kind of realize. Me. <laughs> exactly. That was an awesome line. <laughs> like... Um, cause they know he's a carnivore cause he eats meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he we see pretty quickly that, you know, he's healing him and, um, you know, this kind of changes the dynamic as to how things are going to, you know, go forward. Um, so once he gets healed, I, I think it kind of just ends there, right? And then it mm-hmm. kind of cuts to the next day. Yeah, the next day um, they're kind of walking and it's like right before they, they get to the town, <laughs> kind of seem like something's up. The bounty hunters hang back. And Grief Garga just turns around, just blasts his two um, bounty hunters, uh, killing them. And he's like, look, you know, let's come up with a new plan. Our plan was to double cross you and kill you. But the baby healing me last night really changed my mind. So let's come up with a new plan. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, they're a little bit reluctant to go along with him because, they're, you know, 
this point, they realized he was going to double cross them mm-hmm. or, you know, his plan was never really to help them. So especially Cara Dune, she's like, you know, we can't trust this guy. You know, he's he's going to betray us again. But, you know, ultimately Mando decides, you know, well, what choice do we have? We need to, you know, see if we can take out the client. And uh, that's basically what they do. So they proceed with the plan. And the plan is to have Mando appear as though he's mm-hmm. a prisoner and... Um, it, make it appear that Cara Dune actually, you know, tracked him down, and mm-hmm. then the three of them are going to go into town. Quill goes on his way back to the ship, mm-hmm. uh, along with Baby Yoda. And I think Mando instructs him to, you know, put like security protocols in place so that you know nothing gets in there. Mm-hmm. Just like the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so they they proceed towards the town. Um, you know, we see scout troopers. I think this this is the first time in this series that we've seen the scout troopers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they verify um, Ryukarga's security clearance. And then they're like, okay, go ahead. Uh, and then, you know, they walk in. And I think uh, one of the troopers says something about, oh, I'll give you like 20 credits yeah. for that helmet. Yeah, and he says like, <laughs> no, that's going on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they go, they go into... I think this is like the same little like cantina, right? That we see like in the mm-hmm. first episode. Yeah, it's, we've been here a bunch of times now. This is usually where yeah. Grief hangs out and hands out the the pucks for assignment and stuff. And yeah, so uh, they go in there. The clients in there with his stormtroopers. Uh, on the way, though, they realize, hey, there's more <laughs> troopers kind of hanging out in the town. Yeah, it's pretty um, funny because I think uh, Grief Karga says earlier that there should be no more than four, and they just it's like they keep multiplying coming out of the woodwork. And Kara is every time it's just like there. You said there would be four, and there's more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they get in there, and you know they're trying to enact their plan. So they're trying to mislead him by thinking you know Baby Yoda is asleep in his capsule, um, but. Um, and I think the client has a great line, you know, in here. He's like, oh, I want to see the baby. <laughs> and um, they're like, oh, he's sleeping. You know, we can't we can't disturb him. He's like, oh, I'll be quiet or we'll be quiet. Yeah, that's the way he says it. Like, we'll, we will all be quiet. <laughs> like, he's like so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, those are just like some of the great little like touches mm-hmm. that aren't really necessary and don't really add anything to the overall story. But they just make the show so much better. Yeah. Definitely a more real feeling, you know, it's not just stiff um, lines delivered in, in one way. It kind of flows up and down, you know, and there's comedic parts and there's serious parts and it works well. Works very well. Um, so then uh, at this point, uh, a call comes in and the client says, oh, you know, excuse my manners. I, I have to take this important call. Um, so he goes and takes the call and we learn that it is, uh, Moff Gideon that he's, that he's speaking with. And, uh, he, he tells the client, um, you know, are, are you sure that, you know, the, the baby, the child is, is there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but before he can go and verify that, uh, he dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets, um, gets blown up, shot through with a, with a blaster, um, and all of a sudden, we see about six death troopers uh, come right out in front of the, the tavern, and then a whole troop transport of stormtroopers is unloaded right out front. Oh, that is epic, mm-hmm. that reb- that um, Imperial troop transport. Um, so, uh, for those that don't know, that is actually a toy from the vintage Star Wars line. Never, not saying that appears in the movies. It might have been like a Ralph McQuarrie concept, mm-hmm. but they made a toy for it. Um 
And uh, the way that it works is you put a few troopers like on each side. I think it's like three on each side. Um, that toy was brought back for the Rebels line, I think like in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually um, uh, because it's, it's in Rebels. Like you see it on a Lothal. And uh, they made a toy for it, which is the first time they'd made a toy for it since the vintage Star Wars days. Mm-hmm. And the moment I saw that, it was just one of those things that like, like, yeah, like internally, <laughs> like I was just like cheering that, like loving that. Yeah. 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 So uh, the Imperials, yeah, we see that there's a ton of them. Uh, and then Moff Gideon arrives uh, in his X-Wing. And uh, we actually see this. His X-Wing's a little bit the, different yeah, the way the that it lands, fighter, right? right? The... Or I'm sorry, type yeah. I just wrote fighter. awesome tie in my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter is so into Star Wars now since we've been watching so much of it. She wants to know all the different types of troopers, and she actually commented nice. on the TIE Fighter and was asking what was was special about it, and I'm telling her it's just a regular Imperial uh, TIE Fighter, and then we see it, it, it collapse the uh, wings there and it does something real special, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. So I guess if your TIE Fighter can do this, you don't actually need a ladder to get down mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so that was, that was really neat. And, uh, you know, it's pretty clear right away that um, Moff Gideon is, you know, pretty serious guy. Um, you know, if you don't listen, if you don't follow his orders, he's not going to have a whole lot of mm-hmm. patience for you. And you're probably going to die just like the client did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here we've got, um, as this is going on, the Mandalorian realizes what's going on. He starts radioing to Quill that basically... They're trapped. The troopers are there. Um, get the baby back to the ship now. Um, he starts, uh, you know, racing as fast as he can on the blurgs, and we find and see that the um, tr- the stormtroopers, the scout bike troopers, actually are on the same radio, and they hear it, and so they just take off after uh, Baby Yoda as well. Yeah. So they race over there, and um, you mentioned in in uh, the previous episode that we did for Mandalorian how the the speeder bikes, you know, in um, that one episode where they were on Tatooine looked, mm-hmm. you know, awesome. Um, but then, you know, here too, like just the, the whole way that they, you know, did this, like we, we haven't seen like speeder bikes look this cool, like mm-hmm. in action. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way that they move and, you know, making those classic sounds and everything mm-hmm. was really great to see. Um, so basically, uh, you know, they're, they're trapped in there, uh, Mando, Cara Dune, and, grief carga and um there's not a whole lot they can do they're surrounded by troopers and you know they try to make sure that or you know get confirmation that quill made it back to the ship Mm -hmm. and initially initially uh you know quill does race back to the ship but then i guess something happens with the communication or you know everything is just going too fast where you know he doesn't want to take a moment to answer because you know every moment's counting at Mm -hmm. this point is this where we see what happens to quill um, yeah, I believe so. Um, the speeder bikes catch up, and, and you hear some shots fired. And the next thing you see is uh, Baby Yoda on the ground, and one of the um, troopers uh, flies by, swoops him up. Then they cut to Quill just kind of like laying there um, in the dirt. And is this where they're still trying to reach him on the comm? And he's obviously yeah. passed. Yeah, so sad. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I mean, you know, like you were saying, he's Quill's like a fatherly figure. You know, he's very wise, he's been around a long time. We learned that he was um, an indentured servitude mm-hmm. to the Empire, and he worked his way out. And you know, he's 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 free now, and he's he's living for himself. And 
you know, he's he's a good guy. He's he's helped Mandalorian multiple times, and you know, he's taking care of the baby, and then mm-hmm. he they kill him. Yeah, real sad. I, he might be like my favorite character thus far in the series, and I was like so sad when this episode ended. Yeah, because I think it like the final shot is of his body, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and like it, it's pretty obvious that he's probably dead, but you may you're holding out hope to the next episode to see exactly. Oh, you know, well, maybe you know, is it not that bad? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the saddest ending of any of these episodes up to this point. Mm-hmm. So I guess this leads us into episode eight, Redemption. Is that correct? Yep. Episode eight, Redemption, directed by uh, Taika Watiti. Yeah, so he's coming back. This is his second episode that he directed? Yep. Yeah, so um, basically this begins exactly where the previous episode ended. Mm-hmm. So our heroes are still trapped uh, in their, you know, in the cantina there on uh, Navarro. And uh, Moff Gideon is out there with all his troops. And he's basically saying, hey, you guys need to come out. Um you know, otherwise, you know, we're going to open fire. Mm-hmm. And I think this is when they pull out the E-Web, right? Yep. Yeah, that, that's the that's the second scene here. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the E-Web. That's, so we see these in uh, Empire Strikes yep, Back when yep. Han's going to take off from the Falcon and Snowtroopers set them up, but then the Falcon blasts them, so they don't mm-hmm. last too long. But um, anyway... Uh, they know, you know, the heroes know what the E-Web is. They know that it, mm-hmm. it's it's serious. Yep. And um, I think Grief Karga is asking, you know, Moff Gideon, like, well, what assurances can you give us that mm-hmm. you're not going to kill us? And he's basically straightforward. He's like, you know, you can't trust me. You know, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, what's in my best interests. And, you know, at this point, you know, what do you have to lose? Basically, you know, you just come out and... Um, yeah, so I think they start firing on. They're they're trying to get into the sewer, right? And they start firing mm-hmm. on the the grate that's in there. The yeah, cantina. that's the Mandalorian's idea is to get into the sewers, um, so they could get back and get help from the other Mandalorians that are down there. Um, you know, in this whole speech and everything, we we learn a lot about uh, Moff Gideon that he really knows his stuff. Um, we learn some stuff that uh, he knows who Cara Dune is. We find out she's from Alderaan. Uh, he actually knows the name of the Mandalorian, which is Din Djarin. Um, and he knows yeah. a lot about Grief Karga. So right, right away we're clued into, you know, how powerful he is, how knowledgeable he is. And, you know, he's going to be the big baddie here in this episode. And yeah, th- and they're just desperately trying to get into the sewers and shooting the grate and nothing seems to be working. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just interesting how he knew like everybody's name and where they're from and um i thought it was really cool also to hear alderaan name dropped mm-hmm. yeah yeah i had no idea that caradun is from alderaan but i thought that was a really cool touch yeah um so yeah so i think at this point um is this where mando kind of has his his little flashback yep. or yep there's a flashback here he goes back and we finally get to see pretty much the whole thing that they've been teasing us in the first few episodes mm. um where his parents leave him in that little like uh cellar type thing um it appears that his parents are blown away by a super battle droid uh opens up and the the battle droid looks like it's going to to kill uh the young mandalorian and then there's some shots fired and he is actually saved by um other mandalorians 
Yeah. And, um, you know, we finally get a little bit more of that action sequence with the super battle droids and the droid gunships. And, you know, they're they're scary because, like, if you think back to the prequels, like, these droids were, you know, they were mm-hmm. imposing, but they weren't that scary. Like, you actually feel, like, terrified of them, mm-hmm. like, when you see them here. Like, they're, they're, they're more like something out of Terminator, like, in this scene. Yeah, I guess in advancements in the CGI and stuff like that, they look a lot better than they did in, in the prequels. So maybe that sure. has something to do with they just look more real and scary. Yeah, yeah. And the tone, you know, <laughs> yeah. the show is obviously a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, sadly his parents are, are killed. Um, but then the Mandalorians swoop in and we see that, you know, this is basically how he gets his start, like in the whole Mandalorian uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it's revealed that, that he is a foundling, which I think we kind of piece this together after the first couple episodes. And he was uh, raised up by the Mandalorians. And then once he becomes of age, he can swear allegiance to their creed and become Mandalorian. Right. So this whole, like, you know, flashback bit where the Mandalorians swooping in is is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, initially I thought that maybe these were like the death watch that we see in, in clone wars. But then as I was looking at it again, the colors of their costumes while very similar yeah. are a little bit different. And, um, the insignias they have on their shoulders are different from death watch. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, very sim- similar, obviously, but, you know, presumably a different group of Mandalorians. Yeah. I just love the, the shot when they show the young, um, Din Djarin and Mandalorian uh, just looking over the shoulder as they're flying through the sky and then there's a little callback at the end of the episode here but just the way it's shot and everything yeah. looks so awesome yeah yeah there definitely is a callback um, you know at the end of this one um, yeah it's great to see these Mandalorians and just in case um, you know anybody's wondering yeah they, they did make some very similar toys in the Clone Wars line for Mandal- for uh, Clone Wars mm-hmm. of these man not these Mandalorians but you know, very similar ones from Death Watch. And um, I was on Twitter earlier and Dan Larson from uh, Toy Galaxy actually, you know, uh, had, had a tweet that said that uh, talking about those toys and how the the value, like the, the, the price of them on eBay has skyrocketed since this episode mm-hmm. came out. And uh, sure enough, the prices on, on these figures like Prey of Isla mm-hmm. or, um, you know, the Death Watch, like, like battle packs are ridiculously high right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I mentioned before, uh, Christmas time when my cousin's, um, kid was asking for Mandalorian toys. Um, and I had done some quick perusing on, on eBay and even the, the black series like Django fat is like, seems like it's a lot more money than it was like a year oh, ago. Wow. Yeah. The, wow. Anything Mandalorian seems like it's high, high in demand right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool though. I mean, hopefully, you know that that just means we get more merchandise for mm-hmm. you know Mandalorian type stuff. So I'd be totally good with that. Um, so yeah, so following the flashback, um, you know, we learned that you know he's not from Mandalore, but you know he is, you know, he is part of that creed, and um, you know, at this point, I think it's when IG Eleven. Um, he he approaches the two scout troopers that have baby yoda but i think before that and maybe this happened even sooner and we just didn't cover it was uh when we kind of get you know that really like prolonged scene with the two troopers that you was know, so bantering. funny oh man that was probably the loudest i laughed in this series yet <laughs> and the so that's um those two scout bike troopers are uh, jason sadukas and adam polly 
um, comedians, and um, they're kind of sitting there waiting uh, for their orders to come back into town with the baby, wait, and they are making some remarks about how Moff Gideon has just killed, like, basically a lot of people, a lot of other troopers. And while they're waiting there, trying to pass the time, they, we see in the foreground looks like a, a can or something, and they're trying to shoot the can, <laughs> and they just miss so bad. It's so funny, and they're shaking their blasters like something's wrong with the blaster, and it's just really funny. It shows you where the, the makers' heads are at here, you know, trying to sh- show you like, see, this is how bad stormtroopers are <laughs> at shooting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and then they're pretty cruel to Baby Yoda too, aren't they? Oh man, that, yeah, that was hard to watch. You know, even though we know it's not obviously a real living thing, they're punching them and slapping them. And I know my wife was not happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I, that was. It was brutal. It mm-hmm. was tough to watch and. This whole like scene feels like something out of like a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Good, good one. Um, but yeah, so IG Eleven approaches them, and uh, he makes quick work of them. It doesn't take him very long uh, to take them out, and uh, he <laughs> takes Baby Yoda, and uh, he hijacks one of their speeders, and he heads into town. Yeah, I wrote in my notes here. IG Eleven roars into town with Baby Yoda. <laughs> he just comes flying in on the bike and you know no shot seems like it's wasted it hits a stormtrooper one shot they're all down and he just comes flying in distracts a lot of the troopers they kind of make their way away from the tavern and here we see uh grief Kara, and mandalorian kind of try and make their stand and they try to leave the tavern at this point yep and i just love seeing like ig11 on that speeder yeah. just flying through and <laughs> there's a moment where there's a couple of troopers uh, around a Jawa and, you know, he takes out the troopers. Um, I kind of wanted that Jawa to like cheer or like, you know, raise a <laughs> fist or something. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's really cool. And just the way he's, you know, like, like we saw in that first episode where, he, you know, his body is just like spinning around mm-hmm. and, you know, how mobile he, you know, his, his, his limbs and his head and everything are. And I really love the way, like, you know, he's got baby Yoda, but they just mm-hmm. like, pushes him to the back and then yeah, that's my favorite part when he spins his torso and to protect the baby <laughs> yeah the whole thing's great and you know just finally he like jumps off the speeder and like mm-hmm. you know he goes like you know just like full-on attacking you know all the stormtroopers and um at this point i guess this is when the heroes you know that are trapped in there they're like okay well this is our this is our out um so uh you know they they come out start shooting and uh, it's basically like a really big shootout. Like Moff Gideon is already like he's he's not here at the moment, but mm-hmm. you know the rest of his troopers, most of them are still there. So they're basically just having like a really big shootout. Yeah, I think uh, Mandalorian goes out and he he grabs the E-Web gun. He starts like mowing down a lot of troopers. Uh, Grief Karga goes out there shooting some of them, and then Cara Dune actually gets pinned back into the tavern. Some. Uh, some of the, I guess one death trooper and some other troopers come in and kind of like pin her back in there. And this is when the Moff Gideon shows up again, um, yep. takes out Mandalorian by shooting him in the head and then blowing up the uh, bottom of the gun and pretty badly injuring Mandalorian. And what, what looked like a great idea in the beginning, we find all of our heroes pinned back in the tavern, but this time now Baby Yoda and IG-11 are trapped with them. Right. Yeah, so... Seems like all is lost, but then IJ11, uh, he's able to cut through that grate. But you know, it takes him a while. So in the meantime, they're still trying to fend off these troopers, and um, 
this is kind of about where one of the uh, Inferno troopers, like, you know, makes his way into mm-hmm. the tavern and, um, you know, he's pretty scary. You know, we can see what, you know, his uh, his equipment is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he uh, kind of lights up the front of it and then he comes in the door and it looks like everyone's going to be toasted. And um, Baby Yoda makes his way up there and uses the force and stops the flame and flicks it back and uh, burns the trooper. Yeah, yeah, really great to see that. Um, and that trooper design, like that goes back. I'm really ex- happy that they used it. It goes all the way back to the Force Unleashed video mm-hmm. game. And um, I even have that. I have that figure. It was a Walmart exclusive where they did like two of those figures. And I want to say the Emperor came with it. Um so yeah, I, I you know I, I like that they're not yeah. completely discarding stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. they're still using it. I think that's great. Yeah, they're doing nice you know callbacks to things that already existed instead of just trying to invent something new all the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, that's something actually. I think the sequel trilogy has done a lot is try to invent a lot of yeah things that you know maybe didn't need to be invented, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so finally they get into the war and, um, you know, they're all making their way through except for Mando and IG-11, right? Because, um, you know, Kara pulled him into the tavern and, you know, he's, he's hurt really badly. Uh, and, you know, she basically says, well, you know, we need to treat your head, but, you know, we can't do that without getting your helmet off. And Mm -hmm. he's like, nope, you know, not going to happen. Um, you know, he charges her with, with protecting baby Yoda and, um, IG-11 says he'll stay behind, but, uh, you know, she makes IG-11 promise to bring Mando, uh, along with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, Mandalorian here, he's dying. Um, he thinks IG-11 is gonna, you know, give him his hero's death, and, uh, IG-11 the whole time is trying to, to heal him, and he's, he's going, no, you know, I will, like, destroy you if you try and take my helmet off. Not <laughs> one th- a living thing has seen me without my helmet since I've taken my oath. And IG-11, you know, being, like, wise and wisecracking is just like, well, I am not alive. And Mandalorian allows him to take the helmet off and, and treat his, his wounded head. And we get to see the face of uh, Pedro Pascal here for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, you know, obviously we knew what he was going to more or less look like, mm-hmm. right? But, like, like my husband and, like, my father-in-law when we were watching this, like, they had no idea, like, who the actor was or mm-hmm. anything. So, like. You know, I, I wonder what it feels like, like if you d- you totally didn't know, you know, what, who the actor was or anything like yeah. you would have been surprised or, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's the first time we've seen without the helmet. Um, and you know, we can see he's, he's pretty beat up, you know, there's like blood coming out mm-hmm. of the back of his head. He looks tired. And, um, I think IG-11 has a pretty good line here. Yeah. He says something about like your cent- your your central processor has been damaged, and <laughs> Mando's like, "My, you mean my brain?" And <laughs> IG-11's like, "Uh, yeah, I was trying to make a joke." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, so he ends up um, spraying him with some back to spray, uh, and he tells him, you know, in a little bit, he'll he'll start to feel better, and and carries him down to meet up with everyone else in the sewers. You know, when I was watching this, I kind of thought, well, why didn't Baby Yoda just heal Mando? But then I remembered he's kind of like fell asleep right mm-hmm. after he after he uh, attacked that incinerator trooper. Yeah, that's like real cute. Like almost every time he does something, it exhausts him and he just kind of like passes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, 
obviously showing us that using the force to some extent does does take a toll, I mm-hmm. guess, especially if you're not, you know, like a, a wise old Jedi or something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so uh, we kind of see that in, in Rise of Skywalker too, right? A little bit with mm-hmm. any like when Ray, even when she's like healing the the serpent or whatever, and you know she kind of rubs her hand, like you know, kind of showing that mm-hmm. you know it does take a little bit of a toll on you when you when you use Force Heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, IG-11 carries Mando into the store, or, you know, kind of guides him in and they catch up with the rest of the group. Um, but then they realize, you know, there's, there's a lot of tunnels. Mando mm-hmm. obviously knows like what way, but, um, eventually they get to a point where all they find is a bunch of Mandalorian armor, just like in a big yeah. pile. Pretty shocking. Yeah. It's just like, looks like everyone's been you know, done away with. There's a big pile of armor there, and out of nowhere we hear the voice of the armorer come out and say that um, this is their own fault for um, showing themselves, and the Imperial uh, presence came down into the sewer and killed them. Yeah, that was... um, So I didn't completely get that. So she said that after they revealed themselves that the Imperials came, like, immediately, but what I didn't quite get is if this encounter happened like like outside like kind of like you know in the, in the town like like we saw at the end of mm-hmm. you know the previous episode where all the mandalorians came out or if it happened in the sewer i didn't really get like yeah, exactly get, where that i yeah it's not clear i guess you know i kind of just uh, you see it there i assumed it was in the sewers but then later she does say something about she has her work and her salvaging so i guess maybe she could have just been going anywhere to get the armor and just bring it back and i assume she put it in the big pile uh-huh. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I wasn't really... Yeah, kind of hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, we see that she's salvaging uh, the armor. She's trying to... Well, what is she even doing with the armor? So I guess she's melting it down, yeah. right? It seems like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Um, um, then this is where they have the conversation about, you know, you know, this is the little one that's caused all the trouble and costs so many lives and stuff. Um, and then they start talking about this is the one that saved him from the, the mud horn. And he's uh, awarded his signet, and she um, forges the signet of the uh, mudhorn and um, like welds it to his armor. Yeah. So, um, no, it was pretty cool. And she mm-hmm. said something like, "You know, now you guys are a group of two, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you need to care for care for him as if he was a foundling, as if you know you were his father, and." You know, you, you, obviously, you know, he's too small, wouldn't survive, you know, being trained. But, you know, your, your task is going to be to reunite him with his own kind. Mm-hmm. And she talks a little bit about, you know, how, I guess, the Jedi were previously enemies of the Mandalorians. And um, so, you know, Mando, you know, at this point, doesn't really seem like he's too familiar with any of this. Mm-hmm. Um which is interesting because, you know, obviously in the time that, you know, he was a kid and, you know, all the battle droids and stuff were out, you know, this is when the Jedi were kind of like, you know, uh, playing a big part in the Clone Wars. So um, it, it's kind of interesting to, I, yeah. I guess, you know, it's, they're kind of alluding, I guess, to, you know, the Jedi were were present at the time, but maybe they weren't necessarily everywhere. Yeah, I don't know, you know, but we were kids, I guess, when prequels came out and stuff, and I was under the impression at the time that just, oh, everybody knows who the Jedi are because they're so prominent, but with the 
Disney here um, being owners of this property now, it sort of seems like they're trying to paint it as maybe not everyone knew who they were, or maybe they were kind of more legendary, you know, myth or folklore or something than people really realized. Uh -huh. I don't know what, what they're going for here. Yeah, but. definitely seems like it. And also the fact that, you know, it's the time gap between the you know prequel era and Mandalorian is something like 25, 30 mm -hmm. years, right? So... They must um, have, yeah. have really bad memories in the Star Wars universe because I mean, we talk <laughs> about like you know Jurassic Park and things from 25 years ago like all the time <laughs> and remember everything and they can't remember <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe it's a big galaxy. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, you know. Um, so she also gives Mando uh, his own jetpack and she says something mm. like, you know. It's not going to listen to you unless you practice with it. You know, you need when you have time, you need to learn it, and then you'll be able to use it efficiently. Which I think by at the end of this episode, we kind of see. Well, you know, he's pretty good with it already. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, this kind of seems like it completes his armor, right? Like that's kind mm -hmm. of the one thing that's missing from Mando's armor at this point has been the the jetpack. Yeah, I guess uh, Fa uh, Favreau was basically you know like now he's uh, Boba Fett. He's got the jetpack, you know. Um, which I think is really cool, and then they yeah. set that up, and and was that episode three when he says, "I got to get me one of those." He finally gets it yeah. now, and and you know they allude that he had some training with it when he was younger, so th I I really like that part. Yeah, that was really cool to see, and um, yeah, so for, at this point, um, you know they head out. Um, the one Mando stays behind there, right? She's like, says, oh, yeah, the my place armor is here. stays back. Yeah. To finish her work, I guess, of salvaging. And then that's the, the next scene. She's actually sitting, looking like she's meditating or something about, uh, five stormtroopers come up to her and trying to ask her some questions. And she just melee takes care of them all, lays them all out real fast. Yeah. That one that falls into the, like the, oh, yeah. the melding pit, like yeah. he just kind of like melts like on impact. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. Yep. Yeah, but she's awesome. Like, you know, just her skills. Like, you know, she's, like you said, takes him out real quick. One of the troopers, his helmet just shatters. And mm -hmm. yeah, really good visuals. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see her again. I was kind of hoping that she would take him up on the offer and go with them. But, you know, we got a cool scene out of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd venture, I guess, that we'll see her again. I hope you do. Um, so, yeah, so they uh, continue on uh mando and you know the group and uh, they're continuing out to the tunnel and then they find the uh the river right like the lava river and mm -hmm. there's a boat there that they need to take in order to um you know get out into the uh what do they call it like a lava lake or something um yeah i think it's a lava river or something um they kind of bust that boat free and it turns out that it's actually has a, a driver's this weird weird astromech droid on the back yeah, that was that was really unexpected because, mm -hmm. you know, first you just see it, it looks like a regular astromech droid, but then, you know, once they start like talking to it and it wakes up and you realize like, oh, this is something we've never seen before. It's just really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, um my it's my TV is so dark and hard to see. Were the legs like IG legs or something and arms on it or were they different? Oh, they you know they might have been. I'm, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah. yeah, they they looked kind of familiar, uh, like its construction, but yeah, it was just weird. Like, imagine an action figure of this yeah, thing. Yeah, I was thinking of the same thing. I'm like, Hasbro should make that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a probably like a deluxe figure mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so they head down the river. Um, you know, once they're in the clear, I don't know if they called it a lake or 
pond or, I don't, you know, wherever the river was taking him. But um, Mando puts on, like, you know, he, he activates his infrared and he sees that there's actually, like, a, a little platoon of... Mm-hmm. Uh, of troopers that are waiting right outside, um, you know, the opening of the river. And, you know, they basically say, oh, you know, we're going to be outnumbered. There's not a whole lot, you know, we can do. We're going to have to basically go down fighting. Um, but then IG-11's like, you know, you know, slow down, you know, you still have me. And, you know, I, I can take out those guys. And Mando's like, well, you know, you don't have enough firepower to, to mm-hmm. do that. And then that's when he reminds him, well, you know, I have my self-destruct capability that... You know, I can't be captured. You know, mm-hmm. it's the manufacturer's protocol. And I think Mando says something like, well, doesn't your your role as a nurse outweigh, you know, your secondary mm-hmm. protocols? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, if, 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 if keeping the baby safe means self-destructing, then, you know, that's basically what I have to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Everyone's idea was to just shoot their way out of it. And, and IG-11 is like, no, 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 you know, here's plan B. You know, if you promise to, to take care of them, I can fulfill my uh, protocol and I, I'll blow them up and you guys can get out of here free. Yeah. Um, it, it Really cool visuals, like when he steps out onto the lava and mm-hmm. starts walking out there and, you know, you feel kind of bad because, you know, I mean, IG-11, like, you know, yeah, at first he's, you know, this assassin droid. But, you know, even even in that first episode, he's got personality mm-hmm. and, you know, he's likable. Um, but then, you know, as we've gotten to know him over these past couple episodes as well, you know, we've, you know, how, like, like we were talking about earlier, how Quill like reprograms him and we see him relearning things mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he's, he's grown on us, you know, as an audience and, you know, to see him like kind of go out like that, you know, he, in a heroic way, you mm-hmm. know, which is awesome, but it's also kind of sad too. Yeah. And big moment here for the Mandalorian. Um, he's actually become attached to IG-11 and he's sad, you know, they have that yeah. little exchange and he goes, I'm not sad. And IG-11 is like, I, I have a, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, read your uh, speech pattern. I can tell that you're sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Um, you know, another one of those little touches that, you know, just add so much. And uh, one touch I wanted to add on to her that I forgot about earlier is, you know, when, when the shootout starts, like, you know, in the tavern, like you see Grieve Cargo, like just take mm-hmm. like a shot, like real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You know, just those little touches that mm-hmm. really like add, you know, not only to the characters, but just like make, you know, the show just so much more entertaining. Yeah, um, Def- a lot of depth added to every single one of these characters. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so IG-11, you know, he makes his way out. The troopers are ready. They're just kind of, like, taking, a, you know, like, looking at him, like, oh, what's, this is weird. Um, but then, you know, he acti- he activates his self-destruct, and, you know, he blows them all up. Yep. Pretty spectacularly, yeah. Yeah, they all go down uh, in, a, in a fiery blast. And um, so at this point, our heroes make it out, uh, you know, of the tunnel on the river, and... Uh, it's not, you know, before long that we realize that Moff Gideon is airborne and, uh, you know, he's on the offensive. Mm-hmm. He's flying around in his uh, TIE fighter up in the, the sky there. And another funny line here. They don't have any plans. They don't know what to do. And Grief Cargo is like, let's make the baby do the magic hand thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was funny. Um, just the way Caradu looks at him like, what's wrong with you? And it's funny because Baby Yoda raises his hand, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 
he, he makes a pass, he shoots at them, and, you know, they realize that their weapons are ineffective against the TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Mando's like, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I, can, I got this. So he puts the jetpack on and, um, you know, he, he goes airborne, too. And this is really cool to see, too, because, you know, up until, up until this point, we haven't seen Mando do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing him, you know, fly with the jetpack is really cool. And, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's really quick. And uh, he uses his arsenal to, you know, his rope or whatever we want to call his grappling hook, Mm -hmm. you know, another Batman-esque weapon (laughs) um, to uh, to attach himself to the TIE fighter and, um, you know, basically like, you know, make his way onto it and try and uh, try and get in there with his blaster. Yeah, he he swings up around there. Um, He tries to get a couple charges on there. He drops one and he ends up getting a a couple charges on the wings gets down and blows the TIE fighter up and it goes spiraling off into the sand dune somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that, um... That, that was really cool. Like, just to see the panic on Moff Gideon's face, like, mm-hmm. when he realizes, like, oh, <laughs> this is it. Um, yeah, so he goes and, you know, you notice that the TIE fighter, when it crashes, it doesn't explode. Yeah. Yep, I noticed that right away. Yeah, like... The wing got damaged, kind of like almost like the toys, you know, like a lot mm-hmm. of the TIE fighter toys, they have that thing where the wings pop mm-hmm. off. It was something like, kind of like that. One of the wings sort of popped off, but it doesn't explode. It just crashes into the 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 soot or, you know, the ash or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that's all we see of it. So, you know, it cuts back to the heroes and um, uh, Grief Karg is like, oh, Mando, that was very impressive, mm-hmm. you know. Which, which you did and um at this point you know he's like you know you'll be welcome back into the guild there's no there's no problems you're good he, and uh you know he lets Kara do know well you know if you want to stay here too you know mm-hmm. um you know you'll be my enforcer and this and that and uh, ultimately she decides to stay there mm-hmm. on uh, navarra huh yep they, they stay together and uh, mandalorian is basically like you know i've got business to take care of i gotta uh you know this is the way i have to find the baby's uh people return them and um i think we see them bid each other farewell and then the, one of the last scenes that we see is he actually ends up burying quill um under some rocks and stuff in a little grave and puts his yeah. um his uh goggles on top of it and stuff and gets onto the razor crest and takes off yeah Yes, he takes off. We see his the Razor Crest fly overhead. Um, you know, uh, Kara and uh, Grief are, you know, just kind of down there and seeing him, you know, like fly away. And he flies over the wreckage of the TIE fighter. And then we see something really cool. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Dave, in, in the last episode that, that we just published, where we're talking about the previous episodes of, of Mandalorian, I, I mentioned something about what actually happened in this scene. I said, how cool would it be if we actually saw the dark saber in action to see what it looked like <laughs> yeah. in live action. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, what happens in this final moment in the season? Yeah. They, we see the Jawas look like they're going to start parting out this tie fighter. And then we see it's like something starts melting the hole from the inside. And we see the dark saber blade just come through, cut a nice big opening and out steps Moff Gideon uh, wielding the dark saber. That was freaking epic. <laughs> Like, as soon as I saw that, like, I, you know, obviously I 100% knew what it was. Like, my husband Mm -hmm. and my father-in-law, I don't, 
they didn't know what it was. I had to explain, oh, this is the dark saber. You know, we've seen, you know, it's been in the cartoons. I know you guys don't watch the cartoons, but I watch the cartoons and it plays quite heavily in them. And this is the first time we see it like, you know, in mm-hmm. live action and, you know, had to go, you know, do that little rundown. But yeah, like actually seeing the thing, like it looked exactly like it does in the cartoon, right? Yeah, it's like, great. It's yeah. like black, black silhouette, but with kind of the opposite of a lightsaber, right? It's black, but it has mm-hmm. the white light around it. Yeah, I always wondered what it would look like in live action. And then you see it and you're like, that looks exactly like it did in, on the cartoon shows. Um, but yeah, I was super excited and I start, I jump up and I'm yelling, oh my, it's the dark saber. And my, my wife doesn't know what that is, um, but it's it's nice that it's pretty obvious it's a lightsaber of some sort, and and right. my wife is all excited, going, "Oh, is he Sith?" You know, and she got she got it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was really cool. Like I was so stoked. Like that was like the cherry on top of this awesome episode, this mm-hmm. awesome season. Like the dark saber is going to play a role, and presumably in season two and we'll see you know what 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 happens with it maybe we'll get some of the background on you know where it's been since sabine got it you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah so what do you think i mean we've we've talked about all eight episodes of this first season um what thoughts do you have um I, i really thoroughly enjoyed it um great character building from beginning to end um, coming into this, I just thought we were going to be dealing with bounty hunters and underworld and we get the whole element of the force. And now in this last episode, they're talking about Jedi and I'm super excited to see where we're going in season two. Could we run into other famous Jedi? You know, we have Filoni at the helm. Are we going to run into Ahsoka? Are we going to run into Sabine? I, I don't know. Other, other Jedi was going to be Luke Skywalker out there. Um, getting to learn more about Mandalore and, and the Darksaber and finding out we could be run into, you know, Bo-Katan or anyone or, you know, I'm super yeah. excited. Yeah, it's, you know, when we first got into this, this season, you know, I, I never would have thought like the, the Darksaber, you know, a oh, lot of yeah. like, you know, the Mandalorians flying around on jetpacks. I never really, like really thought that that would be feasible and that's something they would explore. But then we see those things and you remember that, you know, Dave Filoni has a huge hand in the series and John Favreau has a huge hand in the series. You know, he was the voice of Prey Vizsla mm-hmm. and, you know, it, then it doesn't seem so impossible that, you know, maybe these other things you're talking about could actually happen in season two. Yeah, I feel like after the last couple episodes, I feel like we're watching this series is going to be sort of the sequel to Rebels as and Rebels was the sequel series to Clone Wars, you know. Yeah. I really feel like it's got that next step and um seeing things like like the dark saber um you know, deep cuts in Star Wars that not everyone knows about. You can see that this stuff works and this show is a hit and people that don't know everything about Star Wars still are interested in seeing things like the the dark saber and you know I started out um, right around the time of Force Awakens and trying to read a lot of the books and I kind of got discouraged from them because they didn't really tie into the movies as much as they kind of let on. So I kind of trailed off from the books and this just sort of sort of proves that you can have deep cuts. There can be things that will work for the mainstream audience, the casual fan, and there will be things for the hardcore fan that can, you can all tie it together and it'll work well. They, they did it. Yeah, no, that that's very well said. Like. This this series, this show has, I think for a lot of Star Wars fans, it's kind of been the thing that, you know, has 
in a way been lacking from, you know, Disney live action, you know, Star Wars, like, you know, I, I like the sequel trilogy, like for the most part, I know we've talked about mm-hmm. that at length and, you know, in, in one of the previous episodes where we were reviewing Rise of Skywalker, but like this show really has like that balance figured out, mm-hmm. you know, between like catering to longtime fans while also moving the story forward um, and also introducing new things, you know, Baby Yoda and, you know, these other aspects of um, the Star Wars universe that we haven't really seen before, you know, like the guild and, you mm-hmm. know, all this stuff that's going on, you know, with the New Republic and, um, but, but, you know, it's also has things that are catering to, like we we're saying, like people that did follow Clone Wars and Rebels and mm-hmm. it just seems like the balance of this show is just really well like conceived like they're they're really catering to everybody that's ever like liked any aspect of star wars and i think that that's one of the things that's made it so successful mm-hmm. yeah it's just i think it it's it's smaller and tighter more controlled than like the the sequel trilogy um you know you've got a lot of uh, hands in there working together i'm assuming the story group is probably more involved uh with with filoni um being here as probably they were in like the sequel trilogy and uh, you've got, you know, Favreau's vision and you know how close uh, Filoni is to the lore and being like a student of uh, George Lucas's and everything. It just seems like, like tighter and, and, and more thought out than what we've seen in star Wars so far. But it's, it's really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that has me really excited, you know, also for season two, because like you say, with Filoni and Favreau in charge, um, Maybe we will get Ahsoka. Maybe we will find out what happened to Ezra mm-hmm. and Thrawn. <laughs> like, like you know, we just don't know. I mean, there's so many possibilities. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, like Hera, like in live mm-hmm. action. Or, you know, I mean, there's just so many th- things that they could tie in. And I'm sure they'll continue to weave in, you know, these different bits of the lore and also, you know, propel the story forward. And, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what season two has in store and, you know, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed every episode of this first season. And, you know, my husband, who, you know, I've said before, he's not the biggest Star Wars fan, but he watches the movies with me and he's watched Mandalorian with me. He's he's really liked it. So mm-hmm. I think that says a lot, too, when they're able to, you know, not only make, you know, the long term Star Wars fans happy, but also, you know, like just casual viewers happy as well. Yeah, this is where where we are now for the next uh, few years, being without movies. So uh, we got uh, Kenobi series coming, Cassian Andor series, some more Clone Wars. So we live in here on the small screen, and and this any indication is to things to come. We're really off on the right foot. Yeah, there's there's a lot in the horizon in terms of Star Wars li- live action, and um, I'm really excited for it all. That Kenobi um series is going to be awesome i think you know if this is any any if this is a like a taste of what mm-hmm. you know we can expect then um yeah i think we're in for a real treat with kenobi and then of course kazian andor is going to be coming at some point as well and uh, that's uh deborah chow right is going to be directing the whole kenobi series am i right on that uh, i don't know about the whole series but yeah definitely involved but yeah, those are Definitely some of the, her episodes were some of the the better episodes. So I'm real excited if if yeah, so she has sure. here if it's gonna be real real cool. Totally. Speaking of Kenobi, did you happen to see the uh, the fan film that was uh, released last week? For um, um, yeah, I did. I watched it um, Friday. I think it was. Yeah. So this is by Jamie Costa. So he's done fan films before. Mm-hmm. I think previously he, pre- he portrayed Han Solo in one of his fan films, mm-hmm. um, but in this one he's actually portraying uh, Ben Kenobi. Yeah, I like that. That was cool. Um, 
yeah, I don't know what to say about it. It was it was neat, and it was you could tell it was yeah. fan filmy. It was different, but it great effects. Yeah. And he had the voice down pretty well. He had the voice down, yeah. awesome. And also, James Arnold Taylor was in this one, so um, I thought that was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really good, really well done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just uh, as we as we uh, you know put a bow on this season one discussion, um, did anything stick out to you that you want to see uh, made into a toy? <laughs> Well, that astromech droid thing, I think, really yep. stuck out to me. <laughs> um, let's uh, the black series, I guess, is where it's at for me. I want to see more Mandalorian black series, like the Armorer, um, and yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sure about like a lot of the toys and vehicles we already have. A lot of them so far. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need more Mandalorian figures mm-hmm. for sure. Six inch, three and three quarter inch. I don't care as long as they're from you know this show. I mm-hmm. want them. Uh, you know, we talked already how, about how we need Quill. Uh, I think we need Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind the you know the group from um, the Prisoner episode as well. Like I think they'd be pretty awesome to have as figures. Yeah. They were each you know really unique. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, just yeah, they'll you know, be coming back, I guess, the way they, they left them on there on the ship. So hopefully they're more important in, in oh, season man, I, two and I hope so. Get some figures of them and stuff. And oh, Bill yeah. Burr figure would be funny to have too. <laughs> the <laughs> photo reel or something look just like yeah. them. Oh yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Uh, I want to see a, a Cara Dune Hot Toys too because I know they've already announced Mandalorian and IG Eleven, but I'd really love to see Cara Dune like mm. as a Hot Toys. Yeah. Yeah, so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really like lacking. I think, I think there. I had read somewhere that their Disney was estimating they had lost like something like three million dollars for not having Baby Yoda merchandise oh, like out for the holidays. Yeah, was it like so. a secrecy thing or something? You think or? Yeah, basically, they didn't. They wanted to keep it a secret until you know the show came out, and they did. And you know, I know we talked about it when we were talking about that first episode Mm -hmm. like you know how it was a really cool thing to keep secret because you know we didn't expect it and um it was awesome but Mm -hmm. um yeah that's basically what it was you know these days they're just really secretive about their new projects and you know like it is with with the toys for the films like there's just we don't really get a whole lot of the main characters and stuff Mm -hmm. until later yeah i'm i was very pleasantly surprised that they kept that such a secret and uh, I got to experience that and I feel bad for our friends in places like the the UK that everything's been spoiled basically like I saw yeah. uh, Tom Fishton um, tweeting the other day about it how it was already spoiled for him <laughs> yeah that's too bad I really don't get why they couldn't coordinate Disney Plus yeah. better like I don't know if it came down to like legal reasons or regulations or what but it just I don't know. It just seems really strange, like that you know, at this point in time, like they, they couldn't set that up a little mm-hmm. bit better. But weird. I mean, we're global yeah. now. You know, it's not like the old days before the internet, where you could release a movie years right. later. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah. In any case, uh, I don't think I have anything to add on to that. I think we've covered um, you know, season one pretty well over these last uh, few episodes, and you know, talked a bit about merchandise and you know, what the future might hold in store. So yeah, unless, unless you have anything to add on to that, I think. Um, no, I just would say, um, I'm hoping to bring on Sabine Wren in season two, live yes, action Sabine. Yes, I yes, mean, yes. she's the key, right? I've been thinking that the whole series, she's Mandalorian and she knows about the Jedi, which they're kind of 
letting us know that a lot of people don't, and she's kind of got you know both sides of the coin here. So hopefully we'll see her. Yeah, I think that would be that would be amazing. I think they could do it. Mm-hmm. I think they could even cast you know if they wanted some of these characters if they wanted to bring them, in, they could probably just cast like the voice actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would work just fine. Yep. But yeah, in any case, I think we've done a good job talking about uh, Mandalorian and uh, Dave, you know, it's been a pleasure having you on the show for these past, um, you know, few episodes as we've recapped and shared our thoughts about Mandalorian and, uh, you know, the the first season of this show. You know, we've gotten a really good feel at this point for what a Disney plus uh, Star Wars series is like. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, we're on the whole, we're very happy with it and uh, yeah, it's been awesome recapping it with you. So, you know, a huge thank you to you for, for doing that. Well, th- yeah, thanks a lot for having me on the podcast and thinking of me to, to talk about this show. And it's been a lot of fun breaking it down and a real pleasure uh, being your guest. Absolutely. it's It's been great. Um, and I, I assume that before too long, we'll be talking about Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to that. Just a couple months away. Yeah, I'm going to have to catch up and rewatch stuff that i forgot i'm trying to on the disney plus here but yeah 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 just uh you know one thing i always tell people you know that are getting in because you know a lot of people are getting into clone wars you know for the first time mm-hmm. you know you know watch it in chronological order it's it, it, unfortunately they didn't air that way but mm-hmm. d- uh, starwars.com the official site has a great list of you know of you know what the chronological order is and I highly encourage anybody that hasn't seen the series yet to watch it in that order because mm-hmm. it, it makes a lot more sense, especially those like first couple seasons. Yeah, and that's, I watched it in the order it was presented and it is confusing in the, like, the first two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot more sense when it's chronologically viewed. Um, but yeah, so Dave, where can our listeners go to look you up online? Um, I'm on Instagram on Jurassic Dave 93. I'm also on Twitter under Jurassic Dave 93. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. If you guys want to check out any Jurassic Park toys videos or anything on Jurassic Dave 93, but, um, yeah, send me a message or a tweet or, uh, Instagram message or something you know, t- chat about star Wars or anything else pop culture related. Very cool. Well, Dave, thanks again. It's awesome having you here for the as a Star Wars television correspondent, and I uh, look forward to many more conversations with you about Star Wars TV in the future. All right. Thank you, Victoria. If you aren't already, subscribe to The Place It All Started the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel, where I review new toys and showcase retro toys from the past. You can also follow us for news and updates on Facebook by looking up Victoria's Cantina, toy photography on Instagram at Victoria's Cantina, and a constant drip of toy-related and other random and nonsensical tweets on Twitter at VixCantina. If you're so inclined, we are on Patreon, Gain greater access to Victoria's Cantina by becoming a Patreon Cantina patron. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll help to keep the show going and also get exclusive content such as access to a private Twitter feed, early access to toy reviews, and behind-the-scenes featurettes. And if you can't, but you still want to help us out, one of the easiest and most helpful things you can do is leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute, so hit that 5-star rating and leave a note stating why you enjoy the show. 
It'll make us more visible on iTunes and help others to find our show. As always, I'm Victoria, and no matter where you're listening out in the galaxy, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast.